Welcome to Tax Breaks, the Moody's Tax Podcast, where you find informed discussion, lively debate, and sometimes a little lighthearted fun around tax issues in Canada, the United States, and around the world. Hello, everyone. My name is Kim Moody. I'm here with my colleague, Kenneth Kung. Kenneth Kung. And today is January the 13th, 2023. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, Kenneth. Happy New Year, everyone. I don't know how long. Do you, that's 13 days into the year. How long can we say Happy New Year, do you think? Another week? Maybe Two weeks? Last day today. <laughs> last day today. So, you know, Kenneth, you and I were uh, uh, getting ready to record this podcast. Again, today's January 13th, and we're thinking, you know, a number of different ideas, and it kind of popped out to us that we've got a significant deadline coming up in a few days. Um, January 15th is a is the normal payroll remittance deadline, but since that falls on a Sunday, it'll, uh, it, it will revert to January 16th, which is the Monday. Um, and we thought, you know what, let's, let's take it back to real basics today and talk about owner-manager remuneration planning for business owners. And specifically, we're going to talk about business owners that um, own their business through a private corporation. Mm-hmm. And Kenneth, you and I have been doing this a long time. Uh, I think uh, I'm a, I've been doing a little bit longer than you because I'm older than you, but mm-hmm. uh, and you like to remind me that all the time. But, um, but, it's a very basic standard question that we tend to get from private business business owners all the time. I'm uh, correct. You get the get it yeah. all the time. Yes. Like, how do yeah. I pay ourselves? And I don't know about you, but I think the general public, um, you know, when I deal with the general public uh, on this issue. You know, they get frustrated when I give a standard answer that is, well, you know, it depends. Mm -hmm. Because they think that you and I should, uh, given the years that we've been in this business, should have standard answers to a a standard question, which is, how do I pay myself? And I remember when I first started practice, there was a standard answer. There was? There was. Remember, remember Remember the bonus down to small mm. business limit strategy? That, yeah, was, I, that was the answer I back do then. remember that, yes. And back in the day, I, I don't know if you remember the, when the business limit for private corporations was $200,000. Uh, no, that I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, see, it's because I'm older. But you, the old adage was, bonus down to the $200,000 small business limit. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they raised that to $500,000, um, federally at least anyhow, which is what it is today. But yes, you're right. Yeah, that the, would be a standard. They, but then they introduced the GRIP system, which means um, they integrated it so that uh, income subject to the small business rate comes up with higher tax dividend. Yeah. Do you and remember then, when they introduced that, Kenneth? A little skill testing question for you. 2000 and 2004? No, oh, pretty close, but not quite. 2006. Oh, okay. Six or seven. I'll have to check that when, when you and I finish here, but I think it's right around then. So let's talk about this, Kenneth. Uh, so I'm a shareholder. Uh, well, let's not pick on me. Let, let's say that we're dealing with a new client, Mr. Apple. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Apple owns 100% of the shares of his company, Apple Co. Yeah. And Apple Co. is in the business of selling products, let's say apples, mm-hmm. and makes a really good living. And he comes to us and says, made some profits this year. I have some cash needs for me personally. Tell me how I need to pay myself. So what's our standard answer, Kenneth? Hmm. Well, there is, then we would usually say, there's two basic ways to pay yourself. 
is either going to be the company paying you a salary or employment income like salary, wage, bonus, or the company compensate you as a shareholder, which is a dividend from the company. So let's talk about dividends because a lot of business owners who get into business, they they don't understand the distinction between a salary and a dividend. So let, let's talk about what, what is a salary, what is a dividend? Let's, let's take it back to real basics. Sure. A, a, an employment income means income, a compensation by virtue of someone providing employment services. Employment income can take the form of periodic wage payments, so usually that's the salary. Uh, but it can also be bonuses for job done extra well. And all those are employment income, and that's money by uh, compensation by virtue of employment services. So let's say Mr. Apple made a million dollars profits in Apple Co. And he's got some family members, and Mr. Apple has already taken out some income, and and we'll talk about that in a minute in terms of how he... Uh, how he took that money out. But let's say he's got some kids. Mm-hmm. And let's say the kids are minors. Let's say they're seven and eight years old. Can he pay them salaries as well? Uh, or what? what's kind of the dividing mm-hmm. line there? Right. Well, as, as the, I assume, the controlling director, shareholder of the company, Mr. Apple can absolutely choose to pay whatever salary he wants to pay to any employees he wants, including his children. But there is a tax problem to that. The income tax access for a business, a business cannot deduct expenses that are unreasonable. So if, let's say, Mr. Apple has a, has a son who maybe had shown up to the office to, uh, two times in a year to help to, to help at the reception desk while he is playing games on his cell, cell phone. <laughs> and Mr. Apple said, well, that was very good work, son. Here is $50,000 this year for, for your efforts. So to see it, when the CRA sees this, they, they will likely ask, okay, Mr. Apple, um, what did your son actually do uh, in order to earn the $50,000. And if Mr. Apple said, well, he showed up two times in the office uh, to greet some clients, then the CRA will likely say, well, $50,000 is not reasonable. What we think is reasonable was $25 for showing up the two times. And therefore, $49,975 of that $50,000 is not deductible to your business. But is it still taxable in the kids' hands? It would still be taxable in the kids' hands because that adjustment only works one way. Great. So the kid pays tax on the personal income and the company doesn't get a deduction. Yeah. Classic double tax. Classic double tax? Well, it, well, yeah, it is, right? Because the kid pays tax on the mm-hmm. income. True, yeah. And the corporation is not able to deduct that, that expenditure. You're right, you're right. And the company, and so, that means uh, there's unsheltered profits in the company on which corporate tax, corporate income tax is levied. Now, in the whole scheme of things, is it hugely double taxable given the rates? Pro- uh, the short answer is no. Yeah, because if it's uh, profits under 500,000 small business limit, and it is entitled, assuming it is entitled to that small business rate, it would have been, what, 11% corporate tax? Uh, it depends on. by province, right? But let's just use a rule of thumb and say 10%. 10%. But, 
But in your example, 10% of 50,000 is a $5,000 extra hit to the corporation. To the corporation. And in addition, the kid pays you know, full tax or at least marginal rates on the 50,000. If, if, it, if it is 50,000 only, the kid will probably pay, I'm guessing, $12,000 of yep. tax. In that range, yeah, so actually. so when you <laughs> not that bad. So in the whole scheme of things, you gotta you gotta run the math, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you got the double tax expenditure by not deducting in the company, which in this case is going to equal five thousand, ten percent of uh, if we use that mathematic plus the tax he's going to pay. What's that overall rate, and is it worthwhile? So that's the analysis yeah. that you need to look at, right? Um, it, because you're absolutely right that. You know, it's not deductible if it's not reasonable, which is one of the consequences of paying a salary. Let's go to the to the definition of a dividend. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of business owners don't understand what that is. What is a dividend, Kenneth? Mm. Actually, I'll, uh, I actually ask this question to accountants almost all the time. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll test you. You already know the answer, but um, our audience may not. So for our audience who's listening at home here or in their cars or what have you, or in transit somewhere. By definition, what is the only way, from an accounting perspective at least, uh, what is the only way that you can remove after-tax corporate income uh, and return it to its shareholders? I know, I know. What is it, Kenneth? A dividend. Yes, because that's the definition of a dividend, (laughs) is the repatriation of after-tax corporate profits to its shareholders. Now, yes, there's other ways you can remove monies from a corporation. You can repay shareholder loans. Uh, there's a bunch of other ways, right, Kenneth? But, but, is that what a dividend is? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so it's a right a, of a shareholder uh, in terms of the profit of the after tax profits of the corporation. Yes, right. So, is a dividend deductible to the company? If I pay a dividend out of the company, is it deductible? No, it is not deductible because you can only deduct expenses incurred in producing income. Right. So let's say the company earns, like Mr. Apple's company earns a million dollars, like we said. Mm-hmm. Um, well, presumably that income is already after paying salaries, after paying any expenses, and there's now, uh, and he's gonna pay taxes, corporate taxes in the company, and there's a million dollars left over. Yeah. What, from an accounting perspective, do we call that million dollars? That's retained earnings. That's retained earnings. That's the addition to retained earnings, right, for that year. So when you pay a dividend, you're taking that retained earnings and paying it to its shareholder. But hold on a second, Kenneth. We've already paid corporate tax on that. So in this case, there's 90 cent dollars, assuming it's 10% that Mm -hmm. we're paying. So we're going to take that 90 cent dollar and tax it in the hands of of the recipient, Mr. Apple, is it fair that Mr. Apple should pay normal rates that he would pay on a salary? Mm. Because there's already been one level of tax paid. Yeah, that that would not be fair. Um, And that's why the Income Tax Act has certain mechanism to take that into account. And we accountants referred to that as the gross up and the dividend tax credit mechanism. Right. And, and so, for example, taking that, using the example, then in theory, what, it, what, what this mechanism do is when Mr. Apple received the dividend of $1 million, that the amount reportable on his return is not $1 million. It is grossed up 
to notionally what the corporate earnings, pre-tax corporate earnings would have been. In this case, if it works perfectly, assuming 10%, 10% corporate tax rate, Mr. Apple would, uh, the gross up would, would, would cause Mr. Apple to report approximately 1.1 million of income on his personal return, representing what the pre-tax earning was. And then Mr. Apple would get a dividend tax credit that is supposed to mirror what the corporation paid in corporate income tax. So Mr. Apple calculate tax based on about one point, slightly more than $1.1 million income, and then get a dividend tax credit equal to the $100,000, about $100,000 of corporate, corporate tax paid. And the result is his um, uh, personal tax on the dividend. So long story short, the, and because of this, this mechanism, um, Mr. Apple would pay less personal tax on the same amount if it is a dividend than if it was a salary. Right, but on an overall tax load basis. In theory, it is supposed to be the same if you look, if you add up the corporate tax paid and the personal tax paid on a dividend versus on a salary, um, the personal tax on the salary, because corporation don't uh, gets gets a deduction, so it doesn't corporation don't pay tax on the profit that is shared by the salary. Right. Now that's what we refer to as accountants as the theory of integration, because, um, and that's how our Canadian tax system is designed for for shareholders and private corporations. Is that in theory, it should be indifferent for you to receive dividends versus receiving salaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, which in theory, I think, is a great thing to achieve, right? Uh, because if it wasn't integrated, or if we didn't try to achieve integration, there may be advantages or significant disadvantages for using one or the other. Like, for example, maybe it's a proprietorship that you carry out your business. But the problem with that uh, is that you expose yourself to a whole bunch of liability, potentially. So I think, you know, the tax policy gods that designed this system decades ago we're certainly on the right track, and I, and I commend them. And I commend the Canadian government for, for continuing to support the theory of integration. Now, in reality, Kenneth, there's, it's not perfectly integrated by mm-hmm. province. And our good friend Jay Goodis of Tax Templates, Inc. Um, has, has done a really good job designing his spreadsheets to show um, how unintegrated it is or non-integrated on a province-by-province basis. And it's close for many provinces, but it's not perfect. And so mm-hmm. one of the things we have to look at is um, is how should it be salary, should it be dividends, uh, depending on the situation. And um, what, so, so, Kenneth, now that you've done a pretty good job about explaining what dividends are, and you know, on a day-to-day basis, let's take it back to Mr. Apple for mm-hmm. a second and AppleCo. Right. In real life... Mr. Apple will need money and he takes it from his corporation on a, on a, probably on a day-to-day basis or, you know, month-to-month basis. Yeah. And in his accounting records, it might be shown as, because a lot of times the bookkeepers or Mr. Apple, if he's doing his own bookkeeping, doesn't know how to characterize those withdrawals from the corporation to himself. And so they just show it as withdrawals against shareholder loans. Mm-hmm. And so in many so cases... credit, cash, debit, shareholder, owing to the corporation. Right. So let's say Mr. Apple has a million dollars of profits 
in his company, but he's taken out $200,000 and it's showing up in his accounting records right now as as $200,000 owing to the company. Mm-hmm. So we call that a shareholder debit is what we call that in our uh in our lingo. Um is it okay to have that sitting out there? Mm-hmm. Um so and and what what is that Kenneth? How do we deal right. with that? Well, because if you can if the tax system allowed the shareholder just to just keep borrowing money from his company, his or her company, then no one would ever pay personal income tax because who needs to who needs salary or dividends if one can keep borrowing interest free from their company and never pay it back so the tax system says all right if the shareholder or someone connected to the shareholder becomes indebted to the company and that indebtedness is not repaid before the end of the year after the year of the loan or in other words it is not repaid by the end of the second year of the lender then the entire outstanding indebtedness would be included as income to the shareholder okay so let's 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 take what you just said and and put this into Mr. Apple's situation so let's say for the 2022 year, and let's say Appleco has a December 31st year end, so calendar year. So a million dollars of profits, but Mr. Apple has taken out $200,000 throughout the year. And his first withdrawal was, say, January 15th, 2022. Yes. And all the withdrawals and all the loans, as it's recorded in the accounting books, at the end of December totals $200,000. Yeah. So in plain English, Kenneth, what... What does Mr. Apple need to do by when? Mr. Apple must repay the $200,000 by December 31st, 2023. It doesn't matter which at which time during 2022 he started borrowing the money. Right, because what you had said and to explain this is that is that it needs to be repaid by the end of the second taxation year from when it was withdrawn, right? Yes. So in this case, he he withdrew whenever in 2022. The first taxation year is December 31st, 2022 of Apoco. Yes. And the second taxation year is December 31st, 2023. So that's why you're saying it needs to be repaid. But how do you repay that, Kenneth? Look, mm-hmm. He's already bought groceries and maybe a car or whatever. Like, where does he right. get the money? Right. If he doesn't, if Mr. Apple don't have the money, then then Apple will, will usually clean this up by declaring either a dividend or paying Mr. Apple a a bonus or, or, or a large wage payment. And this payment of either dividend or bonus would usually be in the form of either a promissory note that Mr. Apple can offset against what he owes the company, or simply the, the pay, this so-called payment would be by way of a credit against what he owes the company. Either way, it would cause him to legally have repaid uh, the company. So, and, and in both ways, he would have an income inclusion. Correct, in the, in the year that this was cleaned up, right? Yes. So Kenneth, let's go back to the basics then, salary and dividend. So let's say that, that Apple Code declares a dividend 
uh, in December, or sorry, uh, January of 2023 in our example. And so he pays a $200,000 dividend. Is there any withholding requirements, tax withholding requirements that Appleco needs to, needs to make in order to clear that, uh, that loan up? Mm-hmm. Or is it just simply a $200,000 dividend and, and it's fine? It's the latter. Uh, uh, there's no withholding requirement for dividend. And, uh, and, but the company do have to issue a T5 by the end of February of the, of the subsequent year. So in this example, 2024, February 2024, he has to issue the dividend. Or sorry, the T5. Issue the T5. But no actual cash withholding needs to go to the CLA by and the company. And when does Mr. Apple need to pay the tax then? Um, the Mr. Apple, as an individual, have to have to pay any balance owing um, by the balance due date of April thirtieth, twenty twenty four. However, um, a taxpayer always have to think about their tax installment requirements. Exactly. Yeah. And this dividend could cause his twenty twenty three installment requirement to go up. And that's a there, there's a pretty complicated formula there, but that's something to be aware of. Right. And now let's just take the opposite. Then, what if what if Apple wants to clear up this two hundred thousand dollar debt owing by Mister Apple by way of a salary payment mm-hmm. in two thousand twenty three? Now what? Then, whenever a whenever a a corporation a, a business pays pays employment income to an employee, and Mister Apple is an employee. It must make payroll deduction, payroll deduction and remittance by the fifteenth days of the subsequent month, which means Apple Co must remit payroll withholding by January fifteenth, twenty twenty four. If they pay it in December of twenty twenty three. If right. they pay it by December thirty first. Now the right. one clarification I'll make, Kenneth, is that the fifteenth. The fifteenth of the month is the standard answer, right? However, depending on the size of the uh, of the company you are and the payroll you have, there could be earlier dates. Um, and I think the earliest is, if I recall off the top of my head, the third day of the month. And so you have to be very, very careful with that. And so we're just using the fifteenth as the standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but depending on the size of the payroll you have, you may have earlier remittance requirements as well. So, and of course, T four requirement whenever you have an employee that receives employment income. Right. Now, what happens, Kenneth? Again, we could go off in the weeds here. So, and we got some other things to quickly talk about. Uh, but what if the payroll remittances are not done? Mm. The the penalties are pretty heavy for missing or having late um, late payroll remittance. Right. So not good. Not good, yeah. You've got to make sure you remit them on time. All right. So we're getting towards the end here, Kenneth. Um, There are other ways to remunerate yourselves, uh, but the purpose of this podcast today is just to talk basics. So we're going to restrict our comments today to just salary versus dividends. So Mm -hmm. let's just walk through a standard laundry list of pros versus cons of salaries and dividends. So you want to start off with salaries? What's some of the pros and what's some of the cons? Right. Uh, earning salary is is considered earned income, so it creates RRSP room. Uh, the general rule is your RRSP contribution room is 18% of your preceding year earned income. Now, of course, there is a limit, and everyone can Google that limit for year 2022 or year 2023. Uh, but without salary, if you never earn salary, then you never have RRSP contribution room. 
Another pro of having salary uh, is it adds to your CPP pensionable earnings. So if Mr. Apple wants to have the the protection, the comfort of having of receiving CPP payments after he retire, that CPP payment after he retired is based on how many years he has contributed um, into the CPP based on his CPP pensionable earnings. So if if Mr. Apple don't get us don't get any employment income in the current year, in in say twenty twenty two, then he would then his CPP um, amount when he retired will decrease because he would be missing this twenty twenty two year. Um, that any oh and also. Um, banks, if, if Mr. Apple is going to get a mortgage from a bank, a bank usually wants to see salary income on on the applicant's tax return. Yeah, that, that is a very common thing that we see. A lot of times, mortgage brokers and bankers in general um, want to see salary type income or mm-hmm. self-employed type income, whereas dividends are not. And so it's very hard to get lending or mortgage approvals if your only income is dividends. Um, at least that's our experience. Yep. So, so what are some of the uh, what are some of the pros uh, of, of dividends? Mm-hmm. So one major pro is no payroll withholding to worry about. As we already talked, yeah. yeah. And one of those withholdings is CPP contribution. It is now quite expensive to yeah. pay into CPP nowadays. Went up Jan one twenty twenty three. Yep. Now it's I think almost seven pretty much $7,000. So the employer, so when a company, um, so when the company remunerate Mr. A, the company have to contribute employer employer portion of the CPP, which is about 3,500. And then um, then another 3,500 have to be remitted for the employee portion of the CPP. So the cost of buying into CPP for a year is $7,000, which if Mr. Apple don't believe in the viability of the CPP system, he may balk at having to pay $7,000 a year into the CPP system. Right, so this is again, part of the number crunching and mathematical analysis that you should look at, right? Yeah. So uh, what's a significant con um, of dividends? Mm. Um, it's kind of the counter of you already said, um, although you didn't really say it explicitly, but are dividends earned income for purpose of RSPs and, and CPP pensionable earnings? No, it is not. Right. So if you do believe in RSPs, which mm. most people should, uh, especially middle income uh, earners, you should definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and CPP, debatable whether or not you mm-hmm. believe in that. But if you do, then you should, you should uh, consider salaries. But yeah. um, what are some other uh, cons that, uh, that we got to think about? Mm. Uh, well, we, we got to talk about TOSI, the, which is tax on split income. Prior to 2018, it was pretty common planning to sprinkle dividend amongst your family members. So you have, you have the entire family, at least those who are over 18, hold shares in your private company, and you pay dividends to all of them using everyone's uh, marginal tax rate brackets. You generally cannot do that anymore uh, if that family member hasn't been actively engaged in working in the business, because if in that case, this TOSI rules apply and the entire dividend would just be subject to the top marginal tax rate for that recipient. Yeah, yeah. 
So let's maybe wind this up, Kenneth. There's lots and lots more things that we could talk about in terms of, you know, salaries versus dividends and property remuneration planning. But I think it's fair to mm-hmm. say that there is not a one-size-fits-all approach. No, and we haven't even talked about you actually should do a modeling between the, do, doing an actual math on the corporate versus corporate and personal tax. Yeah, and, and, and I'll go back two. to, yeah. you know, I'll go back to Tax Templates Inc. They have a really good model on this. So any accountants who are listening who are not familiar with Tax Templates Inc., you know, Google them and find them because their, their spreadsheets are amazing when it comes to crunching the math on this stuff. Um, but, you know, wrapping up here, Kenneth, no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Run the mathematics. Look at the pros and cons of things like we talked about, RSP um, versus not, uh, CPP versus not. Just make, make sure you clear up your shareholder debit regularly. Yeah. Because we, we haven't even talked about a deemed interest benefit, which is now much more expensive due to the prescribed rate being 4%. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So you've got to think about that. And, and you've got to think about things like, um, you know, if you're going to apply for a mortgage, uh, in the future, you got to think, uh, you know, earned income is better salary, more than likely. If you're incurring childcare expenses, as you uh, quickly alluded to, uh, you know, you need earned income in order to take a deduction for that. So dividends may not be the answer to that. Mm-hmm. So one size doesn't fit all. And uh, unfortunately, we do see experiences where accountants or other advisors are, are suggesting a one size fits all. What are you crazy? It should be dividends do this you know we in closing you know the most extreme case i've seen recently is a pretty decent sized client you know had been advised by a decent accounting firm and unfortunately they were only receiving dividends for years and years and years and this fellow's in his mid-40s who's got no rsp room as a result and he wanted to apply for a bigger mortgage and couldn't get it but meanwhile he's got significant earnings Mm -hmm. And, and no CPP uh, earnings throughout uh, the last 20 years. So be careful out there, and uh, hopefully this was useful. Thanks as always, Kenneth. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everyone. Bye now. Bye.